Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Bob Mendelson, and this is the Bob's Your Uncle podcast. Thanks for joining me for this, Season 3, Episode 24 of the Bob's Your Uncle podcast. Today I'm going to be talking to you about gratitude, and I'm going to tell you a story from one year ago. And if you don't see God's hand and miracles and favor and grace, then you're not looking. This is an amazing story. I want you to celebrate with me. I hope you like listening to Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto in E minor. It's one of my favorites. You can now find us and comment to us wherever you get your podcasts. Tell us what matters to you, what triggers your joy, what bothers you in the world. Let us know. We'll see where the Spirit leads us. Whether you're at home, online, on the road with me in your headset at the gym, or out for your evening constitutional, wherever you get your podcast, that's where we will be. Thanks for being with us these 18 minutes. In 1431, Joan of Arc, condemned as a heretic, was burned at the stake in Rouen in France. 500 years later, in 1922, the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. was dedicated in a ceremony attended by the President Warren Harding, the Chief Justice William Howard Taft, and Robert Todd Lincoln. And in 1935, Babe Ruth, played in his last Major League Baseball game for the Boston Braves, leaving after the first inning of the first of a doubleheader against the Philadelphia Phillies, who won both games. Three days later, Babe Ruth announced his retirement, and that's the historical marker of the week. I've already given you a clue in the uh, beginning of the podcast today about where I want to take you, and that's to gratitude. But I want to tell you a story from this same weekend, exactly one year ago, when I was scheduled to go to Singapore for a very important series of meetings. My boss was going to be joining me from his U.S. post, and we were going to be having some significant encounters with people of various sorts, We were going to go to synagogue together. I love going there in Singapore. We had so much to do, and this was going to be one of those trips. Well, I dressed right, as I often do when I go internationally. I wore my business suit and a white shirt freshly laundered, and I went to uh, 
my office at 5.30 in the morning on that Thursday. 5.30? Why would I do that? Oh, because I had to pick up some books and put them in a box and put the box in the trunk of the car, the boot of the car, so that I could take them with me because I was scheduled to speak at various places. And I wanted to make sure that I had good materials for the people at various locations. Oh, I left the trunk open, but it's 5.30 in the morning in Bondi Junction. I was the only person on the planet uh, there at the time. At 6 o'clock, I was going to be dropped off by one of my colleagues at the airport, so I was going to leave the office 5.30, drive over to pick her up, and she was going to have the car for the weekend. So it's a win-win. I got the materials, put them in the, in the boot, and went to close the, uh, the door. And a man, whom I hadn't seen before, came walking by and said, did you have a black bag? And I said, you mean in the, yeah, yeah, I've got a black bag, because that's, my briefcase was black. He said, because a man just was walking, and I think he might have taken it right out of your car. I turned around, and I looked, and sure enough, my briefcase was missing Oh no, well okay, I'll run after the guy. How many people at 5.30 in the morning on a Thursday are walking with my briefcase? It'd be easy to spot him, except I didn't spot him. And I ran and I ran and I looked around and where would it be? And I think I've seen so many television shows where they drop the case and, and all they want was a wallet or something that's in there. I, don't, I didn't know what to do. Sure, my wallet was in there because I have a place for everything. My two passports were in there, one for Australia, one for the United States. My laptop, it was a two-month-old laptop. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I'll just go run. I couldn't find him. I couldn't find him. At 6.15, so now 30-plus minutes later, I get a text message from my bank telling me, asking me, have I been using my credit card at a tobacco shop in King's Cross. Oh my goodness, no. So now this is an added information piece because at 5.37, I called the police to report a stolen briefcase. They are 700 meters from my office in front of which I had parked to get my things. So I thought for sure they'd come and present by 5.45, by, I mean, 10 till 6, maybe 6 o'clock, they'd be, nope, 6.15, I'm driving around trying to find this fellow, this mystery fellow with my black case. Nowhere to be found. Nowhere. Oh, no, now what do I do? Oh, the tobacco shop in King's Cross. I'll drive over there. If they've just been knocking back his use of my credit card, well, this, this should be pretty good. I get there, sure enough, the man told me that he tried, the, the, uh, the thief had tried to use my card and it was declined by my bank and he merely reached in and used another credit card, obviously from my wallet, for a $97 worth of tobacco purchase. Could I see the CCTV footage, I inquired, and he said, Oh, I can show the police, but not you. I said, but I'm the one, it's my stuff. He's using my, I'm sorry, sir. Okay, okay, I figure I'll call the police back, which I did, gave him the event number, which I did, and then said, 
would it be possible for you to come here to King's Cross and look at the CCTV footage? Uh, they took down the information. At 8 o'clock in the morning, the police presented at my office. That's over two hours later. Now, I've got an 8 a.m. flight, and I've got to be there for a Thursday night, really Friday morning activity. What am I going to do? All right. Um, calm, prayer. Put it up on my Facebook saying, I, my, my briefcase has just been stolen. Would you pray for me? I, I didn't know what else to ask. Finally, at about 9.15, I realized, wait a minute, I've got to call. No, actually, I think I called about 7 to my travel agent, who was the sponsor of this podcast at the time. And I told her, would it be possible for you to contact Singapore Airlines? Oh, yes, she said, no problem. And we'll put it on hold and they'll, she'll explain the situation, which she did. And everything was fine. So I didn't lose my flight, except I didn't get on my flight. Okay, so I've got a voucher for whenever this happens. But if you know anything about the wheels of government, especially vis-a-vis -vis passports, you know that I'm not going to get a passport. I'm not going to be able to go. I don't know what's going to happen. But I was leaving it in the hands of God. Okay. By 11.30, I'm down at the passport office with a long queue. And a man, a security man, comes over to me amidst all the people who are standing there from every country in the world, it seems, trying to secure their own papers to get wherever they want to go. And he comes to me and says, sir, can I help you? And I looked around. I mean, I'm back in the back of the queue. And he, I said, well, I'm, on a, I'm scheduled to go on a business trip. My passport and briefcase were stolen out of my car this morning. I don't know what to do. He said, come with me. I walk into the middle of the passport office with him. He sees somebody whom he flags down. The man organizes another lady from, say, window 11 or whatever number it was. And she comes over and says, follow me, sir. And hands me, after I tell her the situation, she says, here's a, a document. Please fill out this form. It's like three pages long. I said, I have no papers. I have my driver's license on my phone. I have other papers on my phone. Do you have your birth certificate? I said, no, not on my phone. Um, do you have your citizenship paper? And I said, well, I've got a picture of me with citizenship. Well, all right. So then she says, here, go down to this place, get, a f get f two passport photos, and come back and see me. She gives me her direct line so that, so that I don't have to stand at the back of the queue when I come back. And so at 12.15, I come back with my two photos, with the form filled out. I go right to her because I've called. She says, come to window 11. So I do. There she is. And she meets me. And she says, let me look. And she hits her typewriter however many times and uh, says, okay, I think we can get this through. If you don't call here at 3 or 3.30 because the passport office shuts at 4, please call my number and we'll find out what the status is. I think this is amazing. I go back to the office. Uh, I, I take some breaths. I contact my off or my colleague who's going to be driving me, who's going to be keeping the car. 
and uh, she ends up coming to the office, picks me up. We drive back at about 3.30 in the afternoon, and again, I'm at the back of the queue. Now, the back of the queue, which is for pickup only. Now, these are people who've already stood in the line here and the line there. They've jumped through the hoops. All they're going to do is pick up their passport and go. Now, my travel agent contacted me and told me that there was a flight again at 6 p.m. if I could get the passport and get to the airport on time. It's 3.30 in the afternoon. I'm 30 minutes away, and I've got a box, and you've got to be there two hours, maybe three hours early. There's just no way. I'm at the back of the queue. The same security man comes up to me and says, are you back here, sir? And I said, um, yeah, I, I am. And he said, are you, are you here to pick up? I said, yes, to pick up my, he said, come with me. And he bumps me to the front of the queue, turns to the people in the queue and says, I'm moving this man. He didn't ask, I'm doing it on my own. And he puts me up front. I get the, I get the passport. I run downstairs. Rebecca is there revving the engine. She drives me to the airport drops me off. It's now a little after four o'clock, maybe 4.15. I go to the Singapore airline counter. I'm struggling with my box, etc. And, and <laughs> uh, the man at the, one of the agents there at the window comes out to help me and helps me to his window and says, what can I get? For? And here's my, and he says, okay, I've got you. And we, he types everything and he's got it in his system. And, and he says, you, you look like a tall fellow. Let's see if we can get you a better seat. I don't get business, but I do get upgraded a little bit for five extra inches, which in my world for an eight hour flight really helps. And I breathed. Rebecca told me when I said, wow, it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm sure some people were praying and I thanked her and my team here in Sydney for praying. She said, wasn't me, although I did pray. It wasn't our team, although we prayed. There were over 300 people who said that they were praying for me on my Facebook after I updated it. Wow, 300 souls around the globe beckoning our father to be gracious to me. And he was. It didn't hurt that I had a business suit on, didn't hurt that God favored me with every person along the route, even the passport photo, the Singapore Airlines man, everybody was very helpful. What was the result? In my heart, it was gratitude. What am I thankful for? His care for me and that nothing is, in my world, nothing goes without his attention. I am such a grateful man to this day. One Every week we read from the number one bestseller of all time, the Bible. Today is no different. From the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 16, verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. But look, he stole some goods. He didn't steal my life. But God has my life in his hands. I hope this story encourages you not to leave things open in the back of your boot and not to, um, that you have to wear a business suit when you travel, 
But I want you to know that the living God cares about us, longs to be in relationship with us. Sometimes we get stuff stolen, sometimes we lose things, sometimes we fail. But this time, God himself was really kind to me and I'm still boasting in him. Thanks so much. If you're listening uh, these next three days or so, Tuesday here in Sydney, Wednesday, Thursday, if you're, if you're listening Thursday night at our walls and art exhibition display, we've rented a pop-up shop at 205 Oxford Street in Darlinghurst, just 400 meters from the Jewish Museum. It's right between Flinders Street and Darlinghurst Road. Great facility, and we've got uh, a closing night ceremony, if you will, on Thursday night, not just with the wine and cheese and with a, a painter who's been in Israel painting murals on the walls around Jerusalem. We want you to come and see him, Justin is his name, hear his story, how he's painting these walls. It's pretty remarkable. There is a lot going on. We want you to uh, uh, to bring a friend if you can. Uh, it's a free entry. You might. It's the last chance to buy art from the exhibition. We've had it for two and a half weeks and it's been a joy welcoming people from all around the globe. Um, so 205, it's called Room 205 on Oxford Street in Darlinghurst. All the city buses go right by there. We'd love to have you if you can, and I wish you shalom. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, from me, Bob Mendelson, when things seem bleak or uncertain, look up to God. He's in his heaven, and Bob's your uncle. Shalom from Sydney.